The world is going through an economic crisis at the moment. And as I frequently talked about on this program, a big factor behind that is the economic war that the US and the European Union have been waging on Russia with these very aggressive sanctions that have caused a shortage of energy, which has led to a huge increase in energy prices. And of course, when energy prices go up, the price of pretty much everything else goes up because you need gas and oil and other forms of energy in order to ship goods and products around the world. And when those when the price of shipping goes up, that means the price of the goods goes up. So it's a huge factor in the rise of inflation. But I also think that this economic crisis that we're seeing worldwide is not only a product of the proxy war in Ukraine. It is also a reflection of a political transition that we're seeing around the world. The decline of this unipolar hegemonic order dominated by U.S. imperialism and the rise of a multipolar world. Of course, I talk about that a lot. But the role of Europe in this needs to be stressed because the one of the main reasons for the U.S. to push this war, this proxy war against Russia in Ukraine, has been to prevent the economic and political integration of Eurasia, to cut off Europe from the other from from Asia, to cut up Europe, cut off Europe economically from Russian energy and from the Chinese market. And this gets, brings me to the topic of this discussion today. The top foreign policy official for the European Union has admitted that the neoliberal prosperity that we've seen in the West since the 1990s, this moment of neoliberal capitalism, of Thatcherism and Ronald Reagan and this so-called economic boom, that economic boom was not only built on a big bubble of debt, which we're seeing explode, that's a big part of it, but this top EU foreign policy official has acknowledged that that economic bubble was built on extracting wealth from China and Russia. Specifically, it was built on a steady flow of very cheap energy from Russia and a steady flow of cheap consumer goods from China, as well as access to China's massive market and very low paid Chinese labor. So our prosperity was based on China and Russia, energy and market. You, U.S. takes care of our security. You, China, and Russia provide the basis of our prosperity. This is a world that is no longer there. I wrote about this in an article at multipolarista.com. I'll link to it in the description below. This, these comments from the EU foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell, really shows how the, this neoliberal phase of capitalism was predicated on subordinating China and Russia to U.S. imperialism. And Europe, of course, is part of this U.S.-led imperialist system. So I'm going to play this video clip here, which is very revealing, of the EU foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell. He was speaking in Brussels on October 10th at the 2022 EU Ambassadors Conference. And this speech is, I think, very significant. I'll analyze it. But here is the most important clip that he said in which he acknowledged that Western neoliberalism has been predicated on the subordination of China and Russia. I think that the Europeans were facing a situation in which uh, we've suffered the consequences of a process that has been lasting for years in which we have decoupled the sources of our prosperity from the sources of our security. 
This is a sentence to provide a headline. And I am taking that from Oliver Smith, who has been developing this thesis, I think, quite well. Our prosperity has been based on cheap energy coming from Russia, Russian gas, cheap, and suppose affordable and secure and stable, which has been proved not the case, and the access to the big China market for exports and imports, for technological uh, transfer, for investment, and for having cheap goods. I think that the Chinese workers with their low salaries has done much better and much more to contain inflation than all the central banks together. So our prosperity was based on China and Russia, energy and market. And clearly today we have to find new ways for energy from inside the European Union as much as we can because we should not change one dependency by another. The best energy is the one that you produce at home. And this will produce a strong restructuring of our economy. That's for sure. People are not aware of that. But the fact that Russia and China are no longer the ones that were for our economic development will require a strong restructuring of our economy. Now, these comments that Burrell made here, they are very reminiscent of similar comments that were made in August by the French president, Emmanuel Macron. I actually have a separate video and podcast focusing on that titled West's neoliberal age of abundance is over as Warren sanctions boomerang home. France, France's president Macron, who is a center right banker, he, he said that that Europe is facing the end of an era of abundance. Now, my analysis of that speech was that now that Europe no longer has cheap energy from Russia and cheap consumer goods from China, it no longer could sustain it, the neoliberal economy based on that the, the changing economic situation. Macron hadn't said that, but that was my analysis. And, and I do have to say that I think my analysis ended up being proven correct because now we see the EU foreign policy chief Burrell saying exactly what I was saying back in August, admitting this. Um, I'll link to that other report, the print article and the video and podcast. I'll link to that about Macron's comments in the description below. But the point is that we need to keep in mind that Burrell was making these comments to EU ambassadors. So keep in mind who the audience of the speech is. He's not speaking to the general public. He's speaking to EU diplomats. So in that sense, I think these speeches are more honest because this is, this is what they say among themselves, right? And I'm going to respond to a few things that Burrell said in that clip there. So first of all, he, he said that a huge part of the neoliberal economic model, the neoliberal capitalist economic model that Europe has been based on was very cheap gas from Russia. Russia, after the overthrow of the Soviet Union, became the top exporter of gas and oil to Europe. Germany, for instance, as recently as 2021, Germany imported 66% of its gas from Russia. And that's true in general across the European Union. Russia was the responsible for the plurality, not the majority, but the plurality of oil and gas imports into the European Union. And now, Europe is, is heavily dependent on U.S. liquefied natural gas, LNG, 
which is significantly more expensive. And because Europe is importing much more expensive energy instead of the much cheaper pipeline gas from Russia, that means that energy prices have gone up through the roof. And now that energy prices have gone up through the roof, that means that not only the cost of living for the average person in Europe, the, the cost of heating their house and, and having electricity, not only has that cost gone up significantly, but also significantly, that means that the cost of doing business in Europe has significantly increased. If you're a company and you wanna manufacture a product and sell that product, now you have to pay much more for energy, which means that the, the price of the product is going to increase, which means that European goods are less competitive on the global market. And that means that people around the world, they're not gonna sp spend as much to buy a European product if they can buy a much cheaper product from China or Korea or Japan or Indonesia or somewhere else largely in the global south, right? So that means that that's a huge blow to the European economy, as Burrell acknowledged. He also acknowledged that having access to China's massive market for exports was very important for Europe. And also, he said, for having cheap goods. Now, he acknowledges that because Chinese workers were originally paid much lower wages, that helped to contain inflation in Europe. As Borrell said, he said, Chinese workers with their low salaries have done much better and much more to contain inflation than all the central banks together. He means contain inflation in the European Union because if you have cheap consumer goods, then that means that European companies don't need to pay their workers as much because if European workers want, if they have to buy their own local products that are made, that are much more expensive, they need to get paid higher wages, which means the companies have to pay them higher wages, which means European capitalists are going to make less profit, right? So if you can import those consumer goods from China or other parts of the global south, that means that European companies can keep their wages low, which means, of course, the corporations make more profit by extracting that wealth from their laborers, their, their workers. And it also means that the European companies can keep their products at a lower price in order to be more competitive on the global market. So when he says that, that low-paid Chinese workers help to keep inflation low in Europe, he's saying that now one of the reasons for the inflation that we've seen is not only you know, the proxy war in Ukraine, the energy crisis, not only the COVID pandemic, but it's also a reflection of the fact that Chinese workers, and not just in China, but in other parts of the global south, but especially China, their standard of living has significantly increased. China, through its state-led economic model, its socialist model, through its poverty reduction program, China has lifted 800 million people out of poverty, eliminating extreme poverty and raising wages very significantly. So that means that Chinese products are a little more expensive, although the Chinese government subsidizes a lot of its economy and it has healthcare and education and, and socialized infrastructure and the banking system is run by the state. So China can keep the cost of production very low, which makes Chinese products more competitive in the global market. So all, all that, all, what he's acknowledging here, Joseph Burrell, basically he was the EU foreign minister. He's acknowledging that the European economy is going through a fundamental crisis because it can no longer be competitive in the global capitalist market. And this explains why, how imperialism plays in 
and why Europe and the U.S. are waging a new Cold War. They want to overthrow the Chinese and Russian governments to, to subordinate China and Russia to forcibly integrate them into the U.S.-led imperialist neoliberal system to impose neoliberal policies on China and Russia to, to privatize all of the land and the banks in China that are state-owned, to privatize the state-owned companies. They want to privatize all of Russia's state-owned companies like Gazprom, which is the gas giant, the largest company in Russia. And they want to, to privatize all of Russia's natural resources. And they want to sell the oil and gas off to Western fossil fuel corporations so Europe can exploit that. So again, just as the previous, the previous phase of capitalism, of colonialism, was based on extracting wealth from the global south, through colonialism and stealing their natural resources, the U.S. and the European Union want to overthrow the Chinese and Russian governments to, to resubordinate Chinese labor, to drop the, the wages of Chinese labor, to control the market in China, to flood the Chinese market with Western goods instead of Chinese goods, and to privatize Russia's natural resources, to control Russia's oil and gas and wheat and fertilizer and minerals. This is a big part of how imperialism works and how imperialism is linked to capitalism, right? So just as the global capitalist system was founded on the extraction of wealth from the global south through colonialism, stealing the resources of the global south, and also capitalism was built on mass slavery of Africans, stealing African labor by turning Africans into slaves, and also capitalism was founded on the genocide of indigenous peoples and stealing their land through ethnic cleansing. That's, that's the primitive accumulation that capitalism was founded on. And in, in different phases, capitalism tries to find new forms of primitive accumulation to super exploit labor so the wealthy capitalist oligarchs can have a free lunch economically so they can steal this wealth and make money off of it. Uh, we saw that through the European colonization of the global south. Europeans went around the world to steal their wealth. And then we saw, of course, the uh, Jim Crow in the United States after abolishing slavery. And we saw the continued westward expansion through manifest destiny and genocide. And after the era of formal decolonization in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, when countries around the global south were able to politically free themselves from colonialism, they were still economically neocolonized. As the Ghanaian leader Kwame Nkrumah famously said, the phase of neo-colonialism in which Western-dominated financial institutions like the IMF and the World Bank trapped countries in the global south in debt so they were unable to develop. And then after the overthrow of the Soviet Union, we had the neoliberal phase of capitalism in which it was neoliberalism is the phase of capitalism of U.S. unipolar hegemony in which the U.S. empire dominated the entire world and Europe is, is subordinate in that position, but it's a key player in the imperialist world system. And as the EU foreign policy chief, Joseph Burrell said, that was that system, that neoliberal system, required cheap raw materials from Russia, specifically gas and oil, but also minerals and other raw materials, wheat, fertilizer. And that neoliberal system was built on cheap consumer goods from China, exploiting cheap labor, low-paid labor in China, and 
then sending Western products into the Chinese market, which is massive because there's, of course, over a billion people in China. And in order to understand this, we need to understand how imperialism functions. Because under capitalism, large corporations want to maximize their profit, which means they want to minimize the amount of wages that they want to minimize the the money they pay to their workers in wages so that so corporations want to keep wages as low as possible but there's a contradiction here because in order to grow the economy you have to have domestic consumption if a company produces a product like a toaster or a tv they want people to buy those products but if the companies are trying to pay their workers as low as possible, those workers might not be able to afford a toaster or a TV or a car, right? So what that means is that capitalists look for new markets around the world in order to find other markets where workers will buy their products, like their toasters or their TVs or their cars. So corporations go around the world and with the help of the CIA and the US government and you know uh, intelligence agencies, and organized crime, they overthrow left-wing governments in the global south that are independent, that want to protect their own economy. They just they overthrow foreign governments and, and they privatize all of the economy and destroy local industry in places like Indonesia and Mexico and Brazil. They destroy the local industry so there's no competition from local companies because a local company in Mexico could make a, a, a toaster of basically the same quality or maybe a little worse quality, but basically the same. And their workers will be paid are paid much less because the standard of living, the cost of living in Mexico is much lower. So that means that those good, those toasters produced in Mexico are much more competitive products. But if the US government overthrows the Mexican government and installs a neoliberal puppet who destroys local industry on behalf of US corporations, that means that local people in Mexico have no choice but to pay for the more expensive toasters and TVs from US corporations. And this, this is one of the factors behind imperialism. Imperialists want to destroy all foreign competition so only US corporations and European corporations can dominate the global market, right? And that's what the US and Europe want to do to China. They want to destroy these Chinese tech companies like Huawei, which makes very high quality products that are often even better, honestly, than Western products like iPhones or whatever that are like planned to, with manufacture with a uh, planned obsolescence. They're planned. The manufacturers plan them to basically break in a year or two. So Huawei products are more, are more competitive and they're cheaper because China invests and subsidizes and has programs and healthcare and infrastructure and education to keep the cost of production low, which makes their products more competitive, which means that that US corporations and European corporations can't compete with Chinese tech companies. That's why the US and Europe continue to impose more and more sanctions on Chinese tech companies to try to destroy the Chinese tech sector. And but they want the access to the Chinese market. That's what Joseph Burrell is acknowledging here. They want access to the Chinese market so they can flood the Chinese market with goods from the US and Europe. That's, that's, one of the, that's one of the ways in which imperialism functions, aside from the U.S. military invading a country to overthrow its government. Like in Iraq, the U.S. invaded and destroyed Iraq. In Iraq, the oil was owned by the state. The U.S. privatized all the oil and sold it off to corporations. In Libya, the oil and natural resources were owned by the state collectively with socialist policies. 
NATO destroyed Libya in 2011 and privatized all of its natural resources to sell them off to Western corporations. That's how imperialism functions as well, right? Okay, anyway, let me go back to the speech from Borrell because those comments that he's making there are very significant because he's acknowledging why the U.S. and Europe are waging a new Cold War. It's because they no longer have these pillars of stability that their neoliberal model was based on, which means that now if they want to, to raise living standards in their own populations, in their, in their own countries, they might have to go back to Keynesian policies of protectionism, of tariffs. They can't have this free market nonsense that only works if you're an imperialist power and you can forcibly subordinate other countries. Because if, you, if you're a smaller country in the global south, if you don't have the economic and political military power of the empires, that means that your local industry is going to be destroyed by the much more powerful U.S. and European corporations in the imperial core. So that means that Europe might have to go back to Keynesian redistributive policies or even socialism, which of course is not tolerable by the neoliberal capitalist technocrats who run the EU and the bankers and corporations that they speak on behalf of. So that's why he's acknowledging this neoliberal model is in crisis because neoliberal capitalism, that model could only function based on imperialism and based on unipolar hegemony of the US and Europe dominating the world. Anyway, so now let me go back to Borrell's speech because he made another comment. So in addition to that neoliberal capitalist model, he, he points out that the security plan of Europe was based on relying on the United States and NATO to provide security for Europe. And Borrell, in his speech, very interestingly, he admitted that the U.S. is not a reliable security partner. Listen to this very interesting comment, because it shows that even though at this historical moment right now in the short term, the U.S. and the EU are more unified than ever before because of the proxy war in Ukraine, and NATO right now seems to be strong, we actually see the for top foreign policy official of the European Union admitting that Europe cannot rely in the long term or even the medium term on the U.S. for security. On the other hand, we delegated our security to the U.S. And while the cooperation with the Biden administration is excellent, the transatlantic relationship has never been as good as it is today. And our cooperation with the U.S. and my friend Tony Blinken, and we are, we are in a fantastic relationship and cooperating a lot. Who knows what will happen two years from now, or even November? What would have happened if instead of Biden, it would be Trump or someone like him in the White House? Which would have been the answer of the US to the war in Ukraine? And which would have been our answer in a different situation? This is some question that we have to ask to ourselves. And the answer about this question for me is clear. We need to shoulder more responsibilities ourselves. We have to take a bigger part of our responsibility on securing security. You, US takes care of our security. You, China and Russia provide the basis of our prosperity. This is a world that is no longer there. Very interesting comments there showing that 
the US-EU alliance is not as strong as maybe people think it is. In the short term, it might look like it, but give it a few years, give it a decade, give it 20 years, and we'll see how it goes. And that's why the US is trying to make Europe dependent on the United States in terms of security through NATO, but in terms of weapons through NATO, because NATO forces member states to buy NATO-compatible military technology, which means that all other members of NATO are basically forced to buy U.S. military technology from the military-industrial complex, which, which enriches U.S. corporations in the military-industrial complex, private military contractors that are making trillions and trillions of dollars and right now are making tens of billions of dollars off of the proxy war in Ukraine because the $60 billion that the U.S. has sent to Ukraine, a huge percentage of that goes directly into the pockets of for-profit private weapons contractors in, in the D DMV area, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area in the United States. And Europe is aware of that. So not only is Europe dependent on the U.S. in terms of security policy, but it's also becoming dependent on the U.S. for energy policy. So while the sanctions that the, the U.S. and the EU have imposed on Russia and their pledge to, to have a boycott of Russian energy has caused a major energy crisis inside Europe because it's looking for new forms of gas and oil and it's importing U.S. liquefied natural gas that is significantly more expensive. That also means that Europe is now dependent on U.S. energy as opposed to Russian energy. And Joseph Burrell admitted that this could be a problem as well. The other day, the, the, at, the, at the Prague Council, uh, the President Macron said that very clearly. We cannot substitute one dependency by another. We are happy that we are importing a lot of GNL from the U.S. Uh, at a high price, by the way, and substituting Russian gas by American and Norwegian gas or Azerbaijan gas. Well, Azerbaijan is a small quantity. But what could happen tomorrow if the U.S. with a new president decides not to be so friendly with the Europeans? Why not? You can imagine the situation in which our critical dependency from GNL coming from the U.S. could also be in crisis. Or that tomorrow we don't have the cobalt and we don't have the rare materials that uh, in Congo, in South America, in Afghanistan, is so much critical for us as the oil and gas. And we don't have a clear understanding that we are creating new dependencies on this link between energy, climate, technology. This is something that we have to be very, very clear. Now, in his speech, the EU foreign policy chief, Borrell, he also acknowledged a few other factors that have led to this massive economic crisis we're seeing around the world. And in addition to the NATO proxy war against Russia and Ukraine, in addition to the food and energy crises, he also says that one of the factors is, quote, deep U.S.-China competition. And interestingly, he admits that one of the reasons for that is the U.S. has been the aggressor. The U.S. government is basically pushing up to the brink of war with China. Listen to this very interesting comment here, and then I'll respond to it. The deep U.S.-China competition. That was not a surprise. But the escalation of tension in Taiwan, yes, they were not in the agenda. And they were triggered by an individual trouble of a personality that bring the Taiwan Street at the bridge at the edge 
of a, uh, I wouldn't say a war, but a lot of war games. Note, Burrell admitted there that it was Nancy Pelosi, that is the third in command of the U.S. government, the second after the second in the chain of presidential power after the president, vice president, and then you have the Speaker of the House of Representatives. That's Nancy Pelosi. He admits that when Nancy Pelosi took her trip to Taiwan, which was an ag extremely aggressive act in August, what, what Nancy Pelosi was doing is pushing to the brink of war. He would say war games. It brought Taiwan, the Taiwan Strait to the edge of war games. So he's admitting this is, this is himself a colonialist, a European colonialist. I have a separate video and podcast and article about this ridiculous neo-colonialist speech that Borrell gave about Europe being a garden and the rest of the world being a jungle, very racist. Anyway, the point is that Borrell is, is himself an imperialist, but he's a European imperialist, and he recognizes that European imperialism and U.S. imperialism, while they may have a lot of similar interests, they don't have the all the same interests entirely, and they do have differences. So he is actually criticizing, again, to an audience of European diplomats. This is a speech for EU diplomats. He is actually criticizing the US government for pushing to the brink of war with China. And then he also says there's another factor. And he says that we are on the brink of an economic recession that is, has been caused by the US Federal Reserve increasing interest rates and by the US Fed increasing interest rates. That's going to force other central banks around the world to increase interest rates. And this is going to lead to an economic recession. Listen to this very interesting comment here. This is a perfect storm. First, prices increasing. Second, the reaction of the central banks, raising interest rates in the US. Everybody has to follow because otherwise the currency will be devaluated. Everybody's running to increase interest rates. This will bring us to a world recession. The world following the Fed, the world implementing the same monetary policy because there is no other way, otherwise the capital will flow. Remember me what's happening in Europe before the Euro, when everybody had to follow the monetary policy dictated by Germany. Because if you didn't do the same thing, the capital were flowing and you had to do it, even if it was not the right policy for your internal reasons. Well, what's happening among us before Euro is happening today at the world stage. Note how he said that by the U.S. Federal Reserve raising interest rates, that means that other countries' central banks are going to raise their interest rates because they're afraid of their currency being devalued because their currency becomes less competitive compared to the U.S. dollar. And that means that everyone, this is as Burrell says, everybody is running to raise interest rates. This will bring us into a world recession. So he calls this a perfect storm. And it is a perfect storm because as he acknowledged, the bubble of neoliberal so-called prosperity in the West was not only built on debt, a big bubble of debt that is bursting, but it was also built on cheap consumer goods from China based on low wages and access to the Chinese market. And the neoliberal so-called prosperity was also based on cheap Russian energy. I talked about this again in August when French President Emmanuel Macron said that the era of abundance is over. And of course, when he says the era of abundance is over, he doesn't mean for European capitalists. In fact, in France, 
French corporations and banks are making more profits than ever. They're making record profits, whereas workers in France and other parts of Europe are becoming poorer and their living standards are declining and there's more and more inequality. And what that's doing is fueling the far right because the left has been thoroughly crushed by all these Western governments throughout the first Cold War, through neoliberal policies and austerity, through state repression, through propaganda and intelligence operations, through media suppression and censorship. The left has been completely crushed. And that means that the far right is on the rise. Fascist movements are on the rise across the so-called West, in Europe, in the US, in Canada as well. So it's a very dangerous situation. We have this economic crisis that is already happening and we see the head of the EU saying it's going to get worse. And that's why the US and the EU are waging a new Cold War on China and Russia, because they refuse to redistribute wealth. They refuse to tax the rich. They refuse to tax corporations. We see Liz Truss, the new British prime minister, trying to impose tax cuts on rich people and corporations at a time of economic crisis. So we see that these neoliberals are trying to impose more and more shock therapy, privatize things on behalf of the wealthy corporate elites and cutting wages, cutting healthcare, cutting education, cutting social programs, only serving the interests of big capitalists and corporations. And instead of redistributing wealth in any way and supporting labor unions and healthcare and education, we see that these Western governments, their solution to the, the crisis is war proxy war with Russia, and they're pushing now for war with China because their so-called solution to save capitalism and this neoliberal decadent dying phase of neoliberal capitalism is they're trying to recolonize China, to destroy Chinese industry, to privatize Chinese banks and land and enforce down Chinese wages and to take control of the Chinese market and exploit Chinese labor and they're trying to overthrow the Russian government in order to privatize Russia's natural resources and their oil and gas, which is owned by the state and their other natural resources so, so they can have Western corporations sell it off for very cheap and make tons of money. That's the goal of the new Cold War. It's a class war, as with every war. And these very interesting comments, very revealing comments from the EU foreign policy chief show how important it is for the U.S.-led imperialist system to subordinate all other countries, especially China and Russia, and of course the global south, in, or, in Europe itself, in the European economy itself, in order to reimpose that unipolar capitalist model. But they're up against a brick wall because the vast majority of the global population who live in the global south refuse to be colonized. They're done with colonialism. They're done with neocolonialism. They're fighting to create a new world. And that is why the imperialists in the US and Europe are so aggressive and belligerent and desperate to wage this new Cold War. I'm Ben Norton of Multipolarista. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to support the work I do here, you can go to multi you can go to patreon.com slash multipolarista. You can become a patron, or you can go to multipolarista.com slash support and you can support there. I have no big donors. I have no big institutional backers. I'm completely independent. I'm a completely independent journalist. So any support you can go, you can provide can go really goes a long way. I really appreciate it. And you can go to multipolarista.com to find a lot more reporting 
I will link in the description below to this article I was talking about today, which has a link to all of the sources that I mentioned. And I'll see you all next time. Thanks a lot.